This is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, KOOP Hornsby, Austin, 91.7 FM, and KOOP.org. I'm your host, Mark Rayshap, here to appreciate wines from all over the world and to talk with Austin's leading wine professionals, from winemaker to sommelier and everyone in between. Now it's time to put another bottle down. Good afternoon, Austin. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Mark Grayshap. We have a wonderful show for you today. This is actually our first ever call-in show, so that means we need to hear from you. You need to give us a call, 512-472-5667. We're talking Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving dinner, the meal, all of the festivities throughout the day. Um, We'd love to hear what you do and any questions that you have, so I'm joined live in the studio uh, by Murph Wilcott, who is owner of Texas French Bread, and Paul Osborne, who is beverage director of all the Parkside Projects. Guys, how you doing? Thanks for being here. Doing great. Thanks for having us. All right, Murph, how are we doing? Hello, Mark. Can you hear me? <laughs> we are going to be getting into some awesome wine pairings, uh, talking about the traditional stuff or the experimental stuff or everything in between. So give us a call, 512-472-5667. Stay tuned. Guys, thank you so much for being here live in the co-op studios. Uh, We've got a a holiday, a big wine holiday in just a couple days, right? Um, And uh, I wanted to bring you guys in and talk about what you do for Thanksgiving and answer calls from the community to hear what they do, any questions that they have. Uh, I used to to, um, work retail and there were tons and tons of questions out there every year. And so I know that there are questions out there. Give us a call, 512-472-5667. Uh, guys, what what um what do you? I'd like to start off by talking about what you guys do for Thanksgiving. Is it traditional? Is it non-traditional? What are your thoughts on the food and and pairings and the wine? Go ahead, Paul. Start us off. So Thanksgiving these days is a little different from from childhood Thanksgiving. I mean, this we're talking Florence, Alabama, with the whole family and football on all day. Right. And, uh, right. It was a it was a pretty. It was casual, but but super fun, and and uh, uh, we didn't put a whole lot of a whole lot of thought into wine right, uh, or right. pairing. Um, but you know, my father would always have like a bottle of Pinot or like a bottle of like Chateauneuf de Pop or right, something right. kind of laying around, and none of us really knew much about what it was or why it went <laughs> well. But 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 there was always something sort of lighter bodied but more fruit forward than, than what I think that he would drink on a normal day-to-day basis. And so I, I really have. So is that the overarching rule here? Um, <clears throat> I don't then know we can that, just go. <laughs> we can, <laughs> I mean, I, I Murph, ch- please I, chime yeah, in I mean, whenever. But. My, my starting place for thinking about this conversation was I thought, well, what would I want to drink? And the first thing I thought was, well, it's day drinking, you know, so, uh, you know, what can you drink a lot of without completely going into overkill? And so uh, Rose 
obviously, um, especially if it skews towards the Provencal style that's going to, um, you know, have a little savoriness to it that will match well with this kind of traditional. And they, they always have things. that lovely selenic quality, too, that I think like with right. Thanksgiving, you know, particularly if you brine a turkey, it's just like right. it just matches super well. Right. I, I completely agree with it. We weren't once again back to Alabama. We weren't we weren't doing a lot of Provencal rosé back <laughs> right, in the day. Right. I think now uh, that's such an imperative pairing yeah. for Thanksgiving now. Like I can't imagine having Thanksgiving dinner without Rose. Yeah. Well, as I thought about it, I also thought that maybe, um, you may have some people listening to the show today, uh, Mark, who are not, um, yeah, I, I, I want experts. And so when we bring up something like, uh, we should drink Rose with Turkey on Thanksgiving day, it might be worth saying uh, a little bit. I mean, even some of my more sophisticated customers in the evenings at Texas French bread are like, Oh no, I don't want to drink rosé. That's really sweet. Exactly. Um, um, So it it may be worth uh, talking for a minute about why, uh, you know, uh, what are we doing with rosés now and why is that a good starting place for this conversation? I would, I would love to, to have that. And, and also why it, it, you know, you naturally think of it with Turkey uh, and we kind of touched on that, but, um, what uh, so we've got actually a call coming in, which is wonderful. Um, but but let's wrap this this thought up. And um, so so you know how do we think of if 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 you have this perception of rosé is sweet, um, how do you kind of decipher that? Oh, it is or it isn't, and uh, how do you go from there? I think that naturally, when you see a rosé that's darker in color. Yeah. It, it just immediately your brain starts to assume that because the color is 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 darker and more close to red wine that for some reason that rosé is going to be higher in sugar content and I I uh I I'd love to just say that that's that's not the way it is and at, nor nor does it mean that if you have a, a super light rosé right. pale salmon pink that that's going to be bone dry either but I I think that if you're drinking um, high quality rosé that's right. that's really well made. The tendency these days is to ferment that bone dry. Yeah, um, and and of course we you know we're we're talking about Provencal rosé. So so this is in the in the south of France in Provence where where rosé is just um, you know massively consumed and also uh, massively produced. And it is that really delicate style. So so what what are the characteristics of Turkey? You know, if we kind of go with the the traditional food, and I'd like to branch out into just other cuisines and this and that. Um, what what you know what is it the characteristics of that rosé that goes with with Turkey? I think you pointed to it in that it's, uh, you know, brining, uh, saltiness, savoriness. Um, There are a lot of things in the traditional sort of Thanksgiving meal that are going to work, uh, that are going to work well with a... um, a wine that has, you know, I mean, first of all, what are we looking for in any wine, right? Balance. Absolutely. So you, you, you want enough acidity, you want enough uh, fruit, you want the right sort of mineral, you know, uh, quality. But, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, if you're talking about a heavier meal that's later in the evening, um, you know, it would lend itself to something that is bigger. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, my list included, you know, rosés, uh, thought about, 
bubbles. Yeah. Thought about uh, thought about Riesling. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. So it's a sort of starting places for what kinds of things I would like to do with turkey, but all largely for the same reason that I, you know, I'm looking for something that's kind of lean body that's not going to kill me in terms of alcohol content. Right. Mm-hmm. That, um, you well, know, and that's going to have balance. Let's so. dig in. We're going to dig into sparkling wine and whatnot. But first, we have a caller who's called in. Maddie, uh, she's on the east side of Austin, and she has a uh, Maddie. Hello, you're on the air. Welcome uh, to the show. Hello. Sorry for derailing the rosé conversation a little bit. No, we like to derail. (laughs) I have a question that's more about food. Um, So I have a lot of different people cooking all together that are competing for oven space, and I am blanking on cold dish ideas. Ah, so so to have kind of this flow of uh, the the oven real estate as opposed to just keeping all of your guests uh, entertained throughout the entire day, right? Yes. And so other than the fabulous wines that we're going to be drinking, I could just yeah. give some good suggestions. Well, what are what are some of your favorite cold dishes during during the day? <laughs> Any salads? I mean, uh, and then and then what do we pair with that? Sure, salads. Uh, I mean, obviously, fall fruits. I mean, you know, you can get Texas apples right now, which yeah. are uh, pretty amazing. Um, cheeses. Um, yeah. yeah, I was thinking. Um, char- I mean, what what but, what goes great with just yeah. about like charcuterie and cheese? Right. I mean, and then you get some kind of hearty fall salad. I mean, that like things that that your guests can like, pick at. Yeah, basically, right. and and not really ever feel like they're fill, filling up before they get all of those warm, you know, the casseroles and the mashed potatoes and all the heavy stuff. Yeah, uh, I think that and 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 to swing it back into the wine. I mean, you know, something like charcuterie, and we we stick on let's say like like a pate, like a liver pate. I mean. There are so many wines that right. make that outstanding. Yeah. I mean, you, the the you know, yes, rosé, yes, riesling, yes, sparkling wine, but then you know, Zinfandel and Beaujolais and all these things that are kind of crackly and brambly on their fruit structure, but still usually pretty um, yeah showy and acidity. Like it just it's just perfect. I'll, I'm gonna. I want to change course just fractionally. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to say thank about, you, Maddie. Yeah. Thank you for your call, and uh, hopefully we uh, we answered your questions there. Yes. Thank you all. all Thanks, right. Maddie. Have a ha- happy Thanksgiving, Maddie. You guys too. It, this is probably, I mean, maybe it's more relevant for those of us who are actually in the industry, but I think Thanksgiving is one of those times where, where because there are a number of courses that may get served, uh, people are going to go to the wine store and they're going to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to try all of these things that uh, I hadn't had a chance to necessarily try before. And my advice is going to be a little different than that. My advice is, look, you're, especially if you're a non-professional, buy, buy two wines, maybe a third one that's like an after dinner dessert mm. wine, but, but go with some stuff that you, that you have a good sense that it's going to be a fit and then serve the bubbly or serve the rosé with that early course when people are just showing up to your house and then serve a wine with, uh, with dinner so that people really get to fully experience it. I don't know what you guys so, think So about you're not advice. a fan of, of putting tons I, of bottles on, and just a free and for just, all. And a free for all. To me, that makes it really difficult for people to appreciate what's going on with any one of those, which is not to say that, you know, I mean, you're going to have guests that show up with some different stuff, but 
I feel like there's some benefit to uh, simpler uh, is better, uh, you know, pick something that's going to be quality with what you're going to be serving that you, right. that you know is that you can consistently go back to, you can have two or three glasses of it, really see what it's trying to do over an hour or so, as opposed to, well, I had a sip of that and I had a half glass of the, you know. Uh, the, and that now you can't even remember what I the other one right, was. Right, uh, exactly. Which to me takes some of the pleasure out of it. I, you know, I, I, um, I kid people all the time about, um, having wine reps come in with eight things that they want me to taste at once. And there are people who are really good at that. I right. just, I don't happen to be one of them. Yeah. I need like, I need to get all the way to like the third glass before right. I even understand what mm-hmm. the wine is trying to do. Yeah. So, and, and we've talked about that previously on the show that, 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 uh, taking your time with it and letting it open right. up and develop is, is one of the joys of wine. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is another bottle down and it's our special Thanksgiving call in extravaganza where, uh, this is radio for people and not for profit. And we're throwing it out. I've got, uh, in the studio live Murph Wilcott and Paul Osborne, uh, and amazing wine personalities in our Austin wine community. We would love to hear from you with your questions. Do you do? How do you prepare the turkey? Do you do you deep fry the turkey? Do you roast it traditionally? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Five one two four seven two five six six seven. So, Paul, I, I think are you in the opposite direction? Just uh, tons of bottles on the on the table, and uh... <laughs> no, uh, I think that to, to Murph's point. You don't want to turn Thanksgiving into some sort of like portfolio tasting where everybody gets an ounce and a half of 18 different wines and no one's really drinking the same wine at the same time. I think that's really important in the sense of what Thanksgiving is all about. Like, don't buy this one bottle of Beaujolais. You know, if you're going to go to a Thanksgiving with 10 people, you know, maybe buy three bottles of Beaujolais and let everyone drink it at right. the same time. And then maybe move on to something else that you've got in quantity so that so that everyone's on the same page. And, and another really important point I want to make is that I don't know that Thanksgiving dinner is where you pull out the most intellectually challenging wines. Right, right. Because there's so there's so many different dishes, there's so many different conversations going on and it you know, is that where you pull out like your, you know, so simple and straightforward. I mean, yeah, and, and, and don't leave leave like the crew Barolo for a night where you're hanging with your girlfriend and you can actually like dig into the why it's Kenobium, special. Uh, right. You know, Let, like, um, let's you know leave those and pull the prosecco out and the Provencal right. rosé and yeah. the Beaujolais. That, that was really the point that I was trying to make is that you want to you want to compliment at this point. Yeah. It's it's. Um, so I want to I want to tackle um, a, and we're going to bring some another caller in here in a second. And if you have a call five one two four seven two five six six seven, I want to tackle. I mean, there's a lot of folks out there who might not know anything about wine, and I want you to comment on the you know Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. I mean, is is that kind of what you think? I mean, if if somebody was just to say Thanksgiving pairing, like you know, that's kind of the easy way out, right? What do you guys think about about that? Or and do you like to vary? Uh, and do you agree with that? I mean, Pinot and Chard or, uh, or Beaujolais too. Paul, you mentioned Beaujolais. I mean, uh, how, what do you think about those just typical pairings? Well, I mean, first off, I think professionally we, we joke, you know, what pairs well with, with anything. Right. And it's, it's burgundy, right? Whether it be red or white. I mean, you can, you can probably find an, an, an accurate pairing that will complement just about any food in, in Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, right? And then 
throw those together in, uh, uh, in champagne and, and, and let's do bubbles with everything <laughs> and then everyone's happy. But I, I, I love, uh, we always drank Pinot Noir at Thanksgiving. So I probably yeah. I personally connect that varietal a little bit more to the meal. And, and I'll be honest, I like a style of Pinot Noir with Thanksgiving that I don't normally drink in normal life. And, and I want it to be big and fruity and just like, like Russian river Valley, Pinot Noir, something from a slightly, you know, more robust growing climate yeah. and vintage is it's just, once again, it, it it's easier. Cool. It's easier for everyone to understand. I, you know, I was kind of going in a little bit of the other direction than that, in that, uh, I was going to suggest Gamay as the, uh, as the varietal, you know, uh, but the traditional grape from Beaujolais, uh, in France. Mm-hmm. Um, but the similarities are obviously that you you get some leanness uh, and some fruit and some acidity and you know I mean I just for for what's typically an afternoon meal the the you know I, I would skew towards a, a, a kind of lighter leaner style of Pinot that's a little more restrained than that mm. but it has more to do with uh, my relationship with day drinking. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like, well, if I'm going to stay awake for the entire meal. Um, <laughs> well, hey, well, let's, let's move on. We've got a, an, another caller who's called in. Um, hello, you're, you're on the air. What, what, you have a question for our guests? Yes, uh, I'm Paul from New Jersey. <laughs> uh, we're going wow. out to uh, a dinner uh, and they're making, uh, you know, a fruit wine. And we'd like to know what kind of uh, wine should we bring for them. They're supplying the fruit for the wine. Okay. Um, so I guess what, what do you think about, uh, uh, f- you know, fruit, real fruit flavors and, and fruit wine to be paired with Thanksgiving? Yes, that's what I'm asking. What fruit are they providing? Oh, probably apples, oranges, that kind of thing. So uh, am, am I, uh, maybe, so they're providing m- maybe like a sangria, like, yes, a, it's kind of like a sangria. Yes. Okay. And, and you want to bring a wine that will, that yes. you can offer as a gift. Yeah, and it's going to be a turkey dinner. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, guy. Well, uh, let's let you know. Let's move it into you know throwing fruit in in with the the meal, and I think that maybe it's you know pairing with a, a fruit salad. Do you do you want to serve fruit wine with a fruit salad? Maybe I'm maybe that's where where we're going here. Okay. So when I think of, uh, well, really, I think of one one grape and it's riesling, right. uh, where you get this sort of fruit basket. It's yeah. all over the place. You know, it's, you, you, you not only get lemons and limes, but you get oranges and grapefruit. And you not only get, you know, Granny Smith apple, but then you get this like apricot thing. And it, it's sort of like a fruit basket. Yeah. And maybe that would be cool if, if, you were, if you were creating something like a homemade sangria. Yeah. That awesome. could be fun oh, as, a, as a counterpoint. So it would be more of a white sangria. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, typically Riesling is a little higher in acid, but it's... Uh, but it's usually got just a little bit of residual sugar as well. I mean, that could be cool as like a counterbalance to them providing a sangria. Yeah, yeah. I was going to kind of go the same direction and say maybe, you know, maybe Gruner as well. Gruner so, Veltliner from Austria. Yeah, yeah, love it. Drink more Austrian, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, well, great. Well, thank, hey, thanks for your call. And uh, oh, you made a difference. We're going to bring that. All right, great. Awesome. Uh, Cheers. All right, happy Thanksgiving. 
All right, and uh, I've got another caller here. Uh, we've got uh, Cooper on the line, who is from Central Austin. Cooper, hey, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, how are y'all doing? Great, great, doing great. great. What, what can we do for you? Yeah, I love your show. I'm sh- thanks for taking my call, because I'm sure there's probably 100 people that are calling in. Yeah, um, it's going so crazy. Dilemma, yeah, my dilemma is I've got uh, my in-laws coming in from western Pennsylvania, and they're really great people, but their palates go toward... Uh, light beer and some kind of wine in a box, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm not a huge wine snob, but I have some pretty good wine, and my, my question is, I mean, should I really bring out the good stuff and say, hey, with this particular cheese, try this, or maybe this will go good with the bread we have, or should I just, you know, try to neutralize it all and buy something, uh, you know, in the lower end of it just to try to introduce them yeah, to, that's a on, on an easier level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a, a great question. I think we all are battling personalities, and that <laughs> and that idea is: do we, you know, do we do we, you know, try and have that educational moment almost? Because you're into wine, you almost want them to be more into wine. And what do you guys think, Cooper? There's nothing wrong with wine that comes out of a box. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a cheap <laughs> I'm not a cheap but I don't want to waste good wine on people not going to appreciate it. Right, right. That Cooper, I I think, uh, and I've I've said it, I think. Zinfandel is your perfect fix right there. Um, ah, you know, it's got it's got fruit. It's it's typically, I mean, Dry Creek Zinfandel, right? I mean, old vines, lots of fruit. Uh, yes, good good acidity, but nothing that's going to the crowd pleaser. Um, so yeah, it's just a and and just introduce them to a great Zinfandel and then maybe that moves them away from the box wine next time they take, but it's baby steps. You know, you you can't, you can't introduce box wine fans to, uh, to back to the, you know, to Barolo and think that they're going to love that. I just think that's too big of a jump. Yeah. So uh, what what I would, I would just say, you know, to your point, uh, (laughs) Uh, the the defining characteristic for me about Barolo and, and Nibiola generally is going to be its tannic structure. So there, yeah. there are a lot of really good wines that you could run out there, but you want to go with something that uh, that has a really generous fruit on the front end mm-hmm. uh, and that... Um, you know, and it's not going to overwhelm people with uh, with tannin or with so much acidity that um, you know that that somebody who spends a lot of time drinking wine is going to go, wow, that's really interesting. I can really build a, a relationship with that. I understand the you know the chemistry and right. everything that's going on there. For you know, I, I just know for myself when I first became interested in wines. Uh, you know, I mean, the uh, 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 a little jamminess, a little concentration, a little bit of a longer finish. Those were things that I associated with, um, you know, with with quality. Right. Uh, and it also meant that they were accessible, but accessibility and quality, I, I think, aren't necessarily always going to be at odds with each other. And and the trick would be find something that is. Uh, that's going to make you happy uh, as well as being sort of uh, available to them. So, you know, I don't think you need to pull out the cheapest thing that you can find out of your, uh, you know, out of your Euro cave, but, um, but you want to go with, 
uh, a bottle that is um, that's not gonna um, really set them back in terms of their right. ability to like uh, build a relationship with and, it. And I think you know a lot of Pinots can do that from California, where you have a little bit more juiciness. And and uh, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm totally yeah. yeah, I'm totally with you on the Zinfandel. But Cooper, I would say don't be afraid to take out some nice wine for you though. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm, yeah, those, those will be in the bottle that you know nobody can see where they are. Right, right, right. You can just you know very casually place them on the table and don't don't announce it and then then that's what you're uh, you're drinking from uh hey cooper okay, thank well, you for the call yeah do they still make matus <laughs> oh this is always a great question this time of your matus that uh portuguese rosé which is sweet paul's uh, looking at me this is this is great that you don't I've, know I've, I've heard of this but i don't i've never tried it so cooper, i don't know they, they do cooper they do make matus it's actually owned by a really really large winery now uh i believe it's constellation brands owns matus and still makes it it's still rosé and it's still sweet <laughs> okay, because back when I was a teenager, you get three bucks, three of them for ten bucks, I think, and they were, uh, you know, it was the wine. It was a wine to impress people with because it was in a bottle, but it was cheap. Right, right, right. Well, we won't okay, say what it what it is uh, today, but um, but yeah, uh, I I know a lot of folks uh, for the sentimental value. You know, Paul, you were saying Pinot brings the sentimental value, and that's just fine. You know, if that's if that's what does it for you. But Cooper, I, I'd probably save the the good stuff for the super good stuff for another night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Cooper. Um, yeah, y'all too. We have to take a short break and hear from some of our underwriting uh, announcements and uh, all of the fun stuff that we have going on at Co-op. So if you're just tuning in, uh, this is the Thanksgiving extravaganza call-in special sh- show. <laughs> I don't know if that was a full sentence there, uh, maybe in different order, um, <laughs> with Murph Wilcott, who is owner of Texas French Bread, and Paul Osborne, who is beverage director at all of the Parkside Projects. Um, we are taking your calls, 512-472-5667. Let us know what you do for Thanksgiving and all of the ins and outs, and maybe you have some questions about what wines to pair. So stay tuned. Okay, we are back. Uh, my name is Mark Rayshap. This is Another Bottle Down Radio on Co-op Radio. This is Radio for People, Not for Profit. And uh, today we are uh, fielding questions from the from the community out there. Uh, around this time of year, there's so many, so much wine being thought about, and everybody's kind of out shopping. Maybe you're out shopping for Thanksgiving dinner right now, and uh, and you don't know which direction to go in. Uh, do you go sweet? How do you please somebody who's a, a big Napa Cab drinker? Do you serve Napa Valley Cab? Uh, we would love to hear from you. Five one two four seven seven two five six six seven huge thank you to tracy schultz who is in the uh in in studio two here screening the calls this is the first time we're doing a a a screening call situation big thank you to tracy schultz and big thank you to the tech team who kind of set us up we've got um all this fancy equipment in here it's amazing that we can have community radio uh with such wonderful tools at our at our disposal so um uh, we kind of mentioned it, and and uh, I'd like to take this conversation uh, before we have another caller to talk a little bit about Beaujolais and Beaujolais Nouveau. I mean, both Paul and Murph have, have alluded to this in the region in France, um, though there is this thing that is only released this time of year called Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, Paul, I think that's the new Beaujolais. The new Beaujolais, <laughs> right. <laughs> Nailed so, it. <laughs> I, I, I'm a professional. I don't 
don't know. Yeah. About. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay. What, uh, you know, do you, how do you guys feel about this? And we can, you know, we can take, uh, uh this any, in, you know, many different directions, but, um, I feel like it was a huge marketing thing that came out, you know, uh, several years ago. And then, and now it's seen a backlash, but, but people are still doing it. I mean, there, there's still a, a market for it. What do you guys think? I think that you can have a well-made, uh, extremely young uh, Beaujolais wine, and you can have a poorly made, uh, industrial, um, really young uh, Beaujolais wine, and that the difference is not when was it fermented. The difference is uh, how was it cared for, uh, what went into producing it. Um, I, you know, I, my bias, and I've, I've been on here before, and I think it's probably something that Paul and I share to a certain extent, uh, is uh, wines that are made by people um, rather than by large uh, industrial uh, entities. Uh, yeah. I just think that uh, you, you get more personality, you get more care. Sometimes you get more mistakes too, but... Um, but uh, so it depends on which knows of Nouveau Beaujolais we're talking about for right. me. I don't, what do you, I mean, I well, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, I've had really great experiences with um, Druan, De Publa, Foyard, Foyard. You know, I think that but to your point, the, we could probably say that about most of the world of wine is, is right. I would rather drink quality rather than quantity. And I'm happy to pay a little bit more for my wine, for, for the wines that I'm going to consume to come from a true place yeah. made by a real person. Um, and I think that with the conversation of Beaujolais Nouveau, I mean, is that what I want to drink every night of the week? And it, no, but I think this time of the year in construct with Thanksgiving, yeah, uh, you know, you can hit any number of local, uh, wine shops and see what they have stocked and what they've chosen for Beaujolais Nouveau. And everyone in town knows, knows the, the, you know, the, the awesome shops and places where you can buy retail. So yeah. lean, lean on your local professionals to steer you in the direction of, of a wine that that's great, whether it be Beaujolais Nouveau or something else. I, I like the idea of Beaujolais Nouveau because typically, uh, the, you know, it's a, it's a little lighter uh, yeah. product than Beaujolais, which leans in the direction that I'm talking about for Thanksgiving. But mm-hmm. I think that you raised two issues that are really worth noting. One of them is, if you're interested in wine, one of the best things that you can do to develop your palate and your knowledge is to find somebody that you like and that you trust who is, you know, who is in the business of selling wines retail and go build a relationship with them and talk to them about what you like. And that means coming back and saying, yeah, I didn't like this one as much. I like that one a little more. And, and, you know, and let them learn right. from their mistakes. Exactly. Too, They're right? tasting a lot of stuff. The other thing that you pointed to that I think is really worth uh, saying something about is is price point and it kind of goes to our last uh, uh, caller uh, Cooper uh, you know Thanksgiving's a time when it's like well I want to get really nice wine so you could blow a bunch of money but I you know I think for me one of the things that has been really important is I've sort of gotten comfortable with the idea that um, you know as a as a consumer uh, there's sort of a 20 to $30 sweet spot for me at a retail shop, or maybe something that's more like uh, 40 to 60. If I'm at, you know, a restaurant, um, 
where I feel like there's a lot of real quality that's accessible sure. without completely going outside of what my financial right. you know resources are, right. but at the same time without you know saying you know what this is something that's actually worth caring about, and you you do get a little more if you um, if you're willing to. Uh, Right. Buy a twenty-five dollar bottle uh, at your local retailer, as opposed to uh, you know a twelve dollar, fourteen dollar bottle. Murph, Murph and Paul, let's bring a caller in. We've got a caller on the line. Um, thank you so much for calling and 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 calling Co-op. You're on the air. What what can we do for you for Thanksgiving? Hi. Um, yeah, I have a question. It's my first time um, here in U.S. Invited uh, to a Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving dinner. I'm actually from Spain, and uh, I would like. To bring some Spanish flow to the table as well, um, but obviously Thanksgiving is not traditional there, and I don't know if you have any recommendation about any Spanish wine or crepe, if possible a white and a red option so I can bring a little wow. bit of everything to the table. Oh, I love that. The, that's I a great question. question. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, uh, Paul, I mean, you you are the beverage director of uh, well, all of Parkside Projects. Bullfight is uh, one of the namestays, and so you deal with a ton of Spanish wine, right? What do you think? Well, I, lo- I love this because we, we haven't really discussed Grenache and the application of that in, in our let's in the construct of like, let's keep the wines relatively lighter bodied, higher acidity, but with generous fruit um, qualities. And I think that, I think that Grenache from Spain, uh, Garnacha Garnacha, would would really be lovely. And my girlfriend and I for the last week have been talking about all the different wines that we want to serve at Thanksgiving. And, and uh, I keep coming back to Garnacha. So maybe something from Rioja, but, but, but the Eastern side where it's a little warmer and you'll, you see the, the fruit get a bit more ripe or, we're even seeing, um, you know, some fun Grenache blends coming out of Catalonia and yeah. in, in northeastern Spain, and so I think that there's a lot of reward. So why does with, Grenache? So so why does Grenache go with with the turkey dinner? You know, the traditional dinner, flavor wise. I mean, what do you think of when you think of Grenache? Yeah, it's just fruity fruit. and spicy. Yeah, yeah. You got cranberry sauce there too. It just links up perfectly. Like. I don't know. It just—it's one of those wines that that I feel like can go with just about anything. Uh, you know, I've heard uh, several winemakers describe Grenache as uh, warm weather Pinot Noir, so it almost uh, kind of has that—I can see that—that uh, yeah, that, that tie exactly. over. And especially, I, I think I love Grenache for Thanksgiving and uh, Garnacha, and uh, for folks who like a little bit more body to their wine, but they want kind of something intermediate between you know a traditional lighter style Pinot Noir and something you know to to be very very crowd appealing so I love that yeah um, do you um, anonymous caller out there do you do you like Garnacha from Spain is that is, are we saying uh, speaking some sense here <laughs> yeah no I normally love the Garnacha from Spain um, and uh, I would like to ask also if there is any wide wine option Ooh. as well yeah, that's that's wonderful. We didn't touch on this. Well, of course, there's white Grenache or, or Garnacha Blanca. Yeah, I was going to just immediately go into, I would stay in northeastern Spain and Catalonia and do, you know, Garnacha Blanca blends from yeah. Priorat and Monsanto. And, and, I mean, and, if you don't want to pay, you know, I mean, I think that I think with the tag of Priorat or Monsanto, you're probably going to be asked to spend a little bit more, but... Um, and then, uh, so, but, but not maybe what, what people think of as the Albariños from Rias Baixas is that just doesn't quite fit the bill. 
You know, it's not the first thing that jumped to my mind right. for yeah. uh, turkey dinner. I, I sort of, I mean, I, I think Albarino and I, I like, it really makes me want to think about oysters yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, salt, you know, salty seafood and, and, and that kind of thing. Right but, Experiment. Okay, white, yeah, white gutter right? gut nacha. And of course, kava, you know, uh, yeah, definitely that brings was the kava. other thing I was going to throw yeah. out there. And was... I think that in the, in, the, in the celebratory spirit, I mean, for you to be from Spain and going to your first mm-hmm. Thanksgiving in America, I mean, what better way to ring that in than bring a couple bottles of kava and get the party right. started? Oh, yeah. We recently <laughs> brought in the uh, uh, Roventos, oh, uh, which so is so great. I, I, just, I didn't realize that a kava could be that um, completely agree it you know i mean it's it's lovely it doesn't it's not quite the sort of yeastiness that you might get with a really high-end champagne but it's clean and it's crisp and it would do really well with any of the with traditional Thanksgiving anything stuff. that you put right. in front of it yeah. exactly well wonderful hopefully that answers your question thank you so much for calling in and, and have a happy first thanksgiving here in in the u.s thank you and thank you for a great show okay wonderful thank you we've got another caller on the line so uh we'll bring in uh katie who is gonna ask us maybe something about uh cranberries or cranberry sauce hello you're on the air hey mark hey guys hey hello hello uh i am i'm making cranberries and i I do them you know from fresh they're really I, i would say pretty pretty much the most pungent thing on the plate um white pepper ginger, uh, orange zest, all that kind of stuff, and uh, really very different than, you know, the turkey and potatoes and everything else, and um, what what can meet that but not drown out everything else, or what would you... Sure. Oh, great question. Great, thank you for calling in. That's So, so Merv, you, so you're, Sherry, you're throwing down. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's a good aperitif, you know? I mean, you need a starting place. Somewhere. Well, I think if we break down the cranberries, you know, by kind of characteristics, I mean, we've got screaming acidity. Right. right. And we've got um, probably some sweetness in the food to balance out all of that acidity. Right, Katie? Is that, yeah. that kind of what you're going for? Yeah, there's sugar in there, too. Yeah. So, and then that ginger component. Mm, so we I like of, the, the addition of the ginger. That 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 really throws a curveball in. That sounds super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my impression is to think of something, again, and not, not to throw this out again, but uh, a Riesling that is going to have kind of the, that, mm. that same balance of sweetness and acidity. Whenever we start introducing some uh sweetness to our food we have to have wine with a little bit of sweetness as well and that's right. kind of what you were going with murph yeah that is kind of what i was going with it also for some reason made me think about um chocolate which we hadn't really talked about which um you know i, I think can do well with a little sweetness and spiciness also but yeah and i don't know i don't know why i my brain just like clicked into sicily mode but you know, there's a spice and a warmth to Neradavala and yes. Frappato that I think would be Frappato really for sure. yeah. would be really fun in this context to kind of pull out that ginger spiciness of I this. I like that. So Nero de Avila and Frappato are, you know, two indigenous grapes from Sicily. Yeah. And so or maybe just like 
throw them both together and do Cherisuolo, right? right like, which is the rosé, yeah. Yeah, um, that sounds cool. And, and I think, Katie, I think also a, a wonderful um, wine that has a little bit more sweetness than maybe uh, you might naturally think, but would go really well with this, I think is a, a Moscato de Asti with a little bit of mm. bubble. That's got some sweetness too, but, but one that has balance and uh, that, that has some freshness as well. Ooh, what about Alsace? And we throw like some Botrytis spicy cream soda yeah. character on this, like, you know, some some umbrushed uh, Pinot Gris or something. That would be cool. Yeah, so, so Pinot Gris can have also a little bit of sweetness too. And yeah. uh, that would be wonderful. So Alsace, I think, I agree, would be a very safe bet. And, and you know, you can go in and in going into any uh, retail store around town, they should have, you know, a pretty good selection of, uh, of Sicilian wine as well as Alsatian wine. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your call, Katie. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Katie. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I think uh, we just recommended to Katie that she buy everything. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. I don't know that we actually from in, Spain, uh, anything in particular. We've little trip around the world. What really. I said we shouldn't do right yeah. at the beginning of this, which is to serve an 18 uh, poor, uh, you know, right. turn it into a bottle. wine tasting. Exactly. Well, um, but I, I think I think the take home here, you know, for me is kind of thinking about those components of the food and then just kind of running with it um, and and matching. I mean, the most important thing for me is uh, matching that sweetness level and also the acidity. If you're if you're serving a wine uh, that has low acidity against a food that has really high acidity, it's going to just seem flabby. Um, any other thoughts on just like general food and wine pairing philosophy uh, out there? I think I think something to remember is that Thanksgiving, every Thanksgiving at everyone's home is going to be a little bit different. So, right. like when we when we have this discussion, it, it has to be in a general sense. And I, I always feel like one of the most fun parts of the sitting down and eating is you have one wine in your glass and maybe not everything on your plate because you have like 10 right. different things on your plate at one time, right? Not every single thing is going to shine with the same wine, but you know, you find it, you find that the sweet potato casserole really hits on the Alsatian Pinot Gris, but that the turkey goes perfect with the Beaujolais that you have as a what, second What do you course. think and, you should drink with the, um, you know, the bird's nest? that you make with your mashed potatoes and you put the <laughs> peas in there. That's what my Uncle Byron used to always drink. Miller Light. Okay. That's what you drink with that. I yeah. think he drank it. I'm pretty it's sure so he had good. his with doers yeah. uh, and a few extra ice cubes. But. Yeah, we were a Glenlivet family, yeah. but but you know, to each their own. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're just joining us, my name is Mark Rayshep. This is Another Bottle Down, and we're uh, in the middle of our uh, Thanksgiving call-in extravaganza. We want to hear from you. We've got uh, a phone line open. Uh, let us know what you do for Thanksgiving. You must have questions out there. I'm joined by Murph Wilcott of uh, Texas French Bread and Paul Osborne of Parkside Projects. Uh, we need to take a short break. We would love to hear from you, and we'll be right back, so stay tuned. Oh, yes, the co-op birthday party, December 17th. Come and share and celebrate. Uh, I know that a lot of your favorite DJs are going to be there. Um, wonderful. We've got uh, Murph Wilcott and Paul Osborne live in the studio. We're answering your Thanksgiving wine questions. Uh, and I've got a caller from North Central Austin. Uh, hello, uh, Alana. You're, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. What can we illuminate for you? Well, I'm going camping for Thanksgiving to avoid family drama, and 
we're going to be outside and we're going to bury a turkey in the ground to cook it. And I'm wondering what wines I can bring. Awesome. That's great. Good, good for so you. So cool. <laughs> well, Where's I guess our I, invite. You know, are you going to actually eat the turkey or, or you're just going to bury it in the ground? Good point. Good point. Yeah. So we've got, um, I mean, that's great. I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, we've got these mixed emotions of spending time with family and, you know, and, and, and thank goodness we have wine. Uh, well, I also yeah. heard there, there was, I, I haven't, I've been really busy getting prepared for Thanksgiving. So I haven't really read the paper in a couple of weeks, but I heard there was some other stuff that was going on that was stressing people out. So maybe the recommendation should be take a lot of wine with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Step one, yeah. Yeah, step, right. but maybe that's maybe, probably true for everybody, uh, whether you're going camping or not. This year, just where you would normally buy one, go ahead and buy two. Yeah, yeah. Just and step, don't forget step that requisite bo- bottle of whiskey. That's right, because um, that's going to come in handy at some point in the evening. Yeah. So, but you know, to to to, um, I, I have such wonderful memories of you know just fire these these and mm. and and of course our noses and and our smells and scents provide more nostalgia than any other sense. So we've got this fire component too. I mean, does that um and and whether it's imparted to the bird or not, I think it's just all around. Yeah. And, and when when you're camping and the, the fresh outdoors. So what, what wines guys? I'm going to go with, first of all, everything tastes bigger and better outside. So, um, I, I think that you want to take something that's going to be fairly assertive. Um, and, and there are a lot of different directions that you could go. Um, but, uh, what's the temperature going to be outside would be a, a good question to yeah, ask. Yeah, so we want um, so with the cooler temperature, we want hardier, rich wines. Right, right, yeah. exactly. A little yeah, higher. That, that 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 red bird. If it's you know forty degrees outside and you've got a campfire going, that that beautiful red burgundy is going to just get washed out. You're not going to taste it. Gonna it's going to taste it. like water. Oh, Alana, what can I ask you? What what uh, are some of your favorite you know grape varieties and favorite wines that that you enjoy? And maybe we can start there and and go on. Uh, I like Barolo. I like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I was concerned mostly about being outside in the wind, uh, and it's going to be cold. It's going to be in the yeah, when, wind is a huge problem, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting. I uh, noticed like even seating people uh, outside. I don't know if you've seen this, Paul, but if you get a little bit of a breeze going. You yeah. lose the nose off of whatever it is yeah. you're drinking, and that's you know that's half of the experience of having a glass of wine. And, yeah. um, so, so what do you do? So you know, I, I guess this goes along with the with the cold weather too. You want just something super fragrant, super opulent. Yeah. I almost want to go back to my comment to the last caller, which is um, take a bottle of sherry with you. You know, something that's going to have a little more. Um, a little more muscular traction to it that's got some, you know, a little oxidization, a little bit higher alcohol level. Yeah. Um, so sherry being a fortified wine, right. I think that a lot of fortified wines might yeah. really do the trick. I, and I, I think port while camping, you know. Right. Totally. <laughs> and I just think maybe like as a general rule, given given the, the t- time of year that you're going and the, the campfire aspect, any varietal that's more aromatically complex, you know, you said you already love Barolo, so... You know, we're, we're, you know, for those out there that, that don't know, I mean, that's Nebbiolo. We mentioned Frappato from Sicily. Um, you know, we could go over into a whole slew of white grape varietals like Gewürztraminer and Viognier and yeah. Tarantes that, that could maybe... Um, 
I like Gewürztraminer too because it's got got more body, it's got more alcohol, and certainly is super aromatic, right? Well, and I I guess, you know, for me, if you're thinking about reds, uh, you could certainly go Southern Italy, but you could go Southern France too. Uh, Either, either, uh, you know, Southern Rhone or Chateauneuf or, uh, you know, or something, uh, uh, you know, Provence related. Mm -hmm. Um, Bandol would be fun. Those are kind of... Smoky and meaty, smoky anyway, and big and meaty, and that kind of stuff. They have a lot more fruit than than stuff from the northern Rhone, so I think that could exactly. be a fun pairing. Well, the other thing to think about is that if you're if you're burying your turkey in the ground, you it, it may not be as nuanced, uh, and it may the flavors may be simpler. You may get smoke, you may get. Mm. Um, salt pepper turkey but you know you may not have uh 14 other dishes that you're right. working with and so maybe the wine is where some of the you get the complexity complexity yeah. can come in and you may have to go inside the tent to keep your you know, <laughs> your the nose of your glass from blowing away well uh, hey alana thank you so much we wish you uh, the best in your in your camping escapades Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, right. Alana. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, well, well, guys, we, you know, I realized this, that we didn't really talk. We have to address this. We've got about 10 minutes left. We have time for maybe one or two more callers. 512-472-5667. If you're out there and have a wine question, um, we haven't talked about, you know, your traditional desserts. What, uh, so mm. after this long day of eating, then we, th- we, we throw down the apple pie. And I, I think that, you know, pie and, and uh, Thanksgiving are, you know, so important of a marriage as well. What do you it's guys do? It's pecan pie, Mark. <laughs> I, we're, we're in Texas, okay? okay. Yeah. Co-op radio. Yeah, my New Jersey roots. Yeah, yeah. exactly. How and, dare I don't want to call Mark. you out here, but... <laughs> so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo Murph. Uh, I think sherry, uh, particularly richer styles, Amontillado, right. Palo Cortado, dry Olorosos, VORS stuff that's seen a lot of age. I mean, oh, how interesting to drink. I mean, growing up in Alabama, it was pumpkin pie, right? Or we already <laughs> yeah, have both. Right. We'd have pecan right, pie sure, and pumpkin yeah. pie. Um, and or like Madeira, you know, dry styles of Madeira, like Cercial and Bual, like that's the stuff because you're not adding more weight right. really um, or, or sugar. You're just adding really intense flavor uh, flavor right. to the pairing right. with, with in, in the, the ones I just mentioned with still a considerable amount of acidity that, that sort of wipes each bite clean from your palate and draws you back in. Yeah. It'd be great. I've actually never done that and I'm going to this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mental note. Great exchange and uh age sherry for Thursday. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um we've got uh time for we're we're gonna hit up the uh events calendar. This is a, a kind of a new segment to this show. Um but we still have time. Uh, give us a call if you have a final few final questions. Five one two four seven two five six six seven and stay tuned. We're gonna hear from some cool events going on in the community for the last uh, month and a half of the year. So, uh, and then we'll be back to answer a few last questions. 
Today is November 22nd, and we've got a wonderful lineup of events for the upcoming weeks for our Austin wine-loving community. Tonight is opening night of the reinvented Hudson's on the Bend, and a big congratulations to Chris McFall, owner and sommelier, and the whole team on their opening night tonight. Uh, Tuesday, November 29th, next week at Andiamo Restaurant, there will be a four-course traditional Italian dinner uh, with pairings from the Piedmont region of Italy, and each dish is paired with a glass of wine and handpicked by a uh, their sommelier, Pier Giorgio and Manna. That sounds wonderful. Wednesday, November 30th, we have Friedman's Treaty Oak Whiskey Dinner, uh, and they will be pairing barbecue with whiskey. Friedmansbar.com. Tuesday, December 6th, Executive Chef Troy Knapp and the Driscoll will be celebrating 130 years with an intimate dining experience with wine and food writer Alan Tardy in celebration of his newly published book, Champagne Uncorked. The book chronicles Alan's year-long residence at the iconic Champagne House, Krug, and the dinner will pair exclusive champagnes with intricate food and readings from the book. For uh, reservations, driscollgrill.com. Friday, December 9th, Dukeman Family Winery is going to be celebrating the holidays uh, on Friday, December 9th, with a four-course dinner featuring wine pairings, dukemanwinery.com. Wednesday, December 14th, the Wine and Food Foundation is offering a champagne educational class and tasting gearing up for the holidays, which, uh, full disclosure, I will be hosting. Uh, more information at winefoodfoundation.org. Uh, if you have a wine-related groovy event that you would like mentioned on the air, please uh, send me a note at markrayshap at koop.org. <laughs> so, um, well, great. Well, uh, we have just a few more minutes, and um, guys, uh, any final thoughts? I mean, we're we're trying to, I guess, you know, if I'm to, uh, you know, think of what is, you know, the take homes from today, right? The um, maybe keep it simple, maybe uh, some light and fruity qualities, uh, Beaujolais, uh, Pinot Noir. Um, I love the Zinfandel call. I mean, that's the classic uh, American grape variety. Um, any, any, any final, final thoughts here? So I had, a, I had a really cool wine the other day, and I, I just have to mention because it's so perfectly applicable and it's it's made here in Austin uh, by the Austin Winery, and they they basically made a, a Beaujolais Nouveau, but they used uh, Zinfandel from from Dry Creek. Um, wow! All all you know, like none of it's destemmed. It's all carbonic maceration, and and uh, just all the kind of nerdy buzzwords that we I think in the industry tend to lean towards these days. Um, Murph, I know that just from looking at your wine list, I know that, that you have a knack for uh, the natural wines and the um, maybe more stem inclusion, maybe the more um, granular, crunchy side of the red well, wine the, spectrum. Texture, I think, is is really important. But, I, you know, the, the things that, that we focus on really are, uh, you know, we're just interested in, in winemakers that have a take, you know, and uh, that where there's a person who's actually, you know, making the wine. But I, I would say that our list does tend to skew in that direction. And that also... I think one of the things that happens when you start drinking a lot of wine is it's like, oh, I like more acidity. I like leaner. I like, you know, things that are going to be uh, more off the beaten path. And I think the big the big take home message from for me today, if there is one, it is um, 
there's a lot of quality out there that also, as I said earlier, uh, is is accessible, uh, and that people, you know, your guests are really going to enjoy, uh, even if they are not sort of in our business uh, doing what we spend a lot of time doing, which is trying right. really weird wines that right. are off the beaten path. <laughs> right. and, you know, just we didn't even talk about orange wine. We, right, exactly. Well, I mentioned the, the Canobium yeah, uh, yeah, Riscum yeah. at one point, which is not what I would recommend serving at Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, I want to get this last call in. We've got, sure. we've got a caller. We've got Hillary on the line, and uh, I think she's going to ask us about our picks, you know, when all the cards are thrown down. Hello, Hillary, you're on the air. Hi. Yes, that's right. I want to know what the three of you will be drinking on Thanksgiving. Oh, so forget all of this blabber. <laughs> Hillary wants to cut right really to the chase. Really put us where we stand here. Mark, I don't know. You want to, you want to go first? Yeah. So, you know, I, I actually, um, I, I thought a, a quite a bit about this yesterday and um, I'm going to keep it home court advantage and I'm going to give you um, uh, two of my um two of my Texas picks, actually, which, um, you know, we, we want to kind of, you know, home court advantage here. Uh, I tasted recently the uh, Reserve Roussan from, uh, from McPherson, from Kim McPherson, and I was very, very impressed. I thought it had the body, it had the richness where I thought would go really well with turkey, and uh, it had kind of this slight oily quality, which, you know, was just super enjoyable with that kind of character that you get with aged Riesling and uh which is also you know our classic thanksgiving pairing so um that that would be my pick and i and i also uh, chose for the red i chose um the the spicewood vineyards uh the good guy which is actually a tempranillo blend uh, and i thought you know it was just such an opulent wine I, I thought this year was the year for opulence i mean we need to be in your face <laughs> so so those were my two picks um yeah, now, now that you guys had a I, few I, uh, seconds. Well, to, to, to keep it home court, I, I can we, I can throw in a couple of Texas. I just, we visited Fall Creek the other day, and I was really impressed with uh, their new Chenin Blanc, yes. which I don't think is a grape that we really mentioned in the course of the show, but that it's one of my favorite white grapes, and um, they're doing one, you know, everything's from uh, right there in the in the hill country. I mean, a lot of the fruit's coming from Salt Lake across the street, and right. it's just... Uh, uh, so they, so their, their new Shannon, um, that they also have one with a little bit of residual sugar that I think would be great at Thanksgiving, but then they have a, um, you know, a Morved Grenache Syrah blend, right. that, uh, in line with the Zinfandel analogy, I think provides the, the fruit, uh, for the meal. Um, but also has the, has that assertive acidity to, uh, to appeal to, to Murph, maybe cool. those of us who are sort of acid freaks, which I, I tend well, to be I, now, you know, like if it doesn't have acidity, I'm kind of bored with just it. Just going to say that Corinne Jackson has ultimately won me over to Shannon. It's a, <laughs> that, and, uh, we have a, a Giberte, a Samoa Blanc yeah. that I'm coming in love with too for white ones. But my red wine of choice is going to be a, um, Beaujolais, specifically uh, the Dufay, uh, I'm, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. It's uh, L'Air Durand, which means the heir of nothing. comes from <laughs> these like 120-year-old vines, uh, and it's um, it's been my favorite wine this year. Cool. So uh, I, I'll probably go a little sturdier on the white on the front end and finish that with a little bit lighter, leaner Gamay. Um, 
for, well, for Redmine. And, and folks out there listening, I will post uh, these picks and maybe some other final picks uh, on the co-op blog, koop.org. Uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for tuning in for the special Thanksgiving edition of this show, Another Bottle Down. I wish you all the most wonderful, happy memories and uh, festivities for this year. Um, thank you for everybody who called in and all of your calls. So uh, stay tuned for Tracy Schultz and Remix. We'll be back next week talking more wine as usual. So uh, stay tuned and have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody.